This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Era is upon us. Welcome to Houston Sports Radio here on Monday night, December 19th, 2016. This is James Caldwell here on the Houston Sports Radio Live podcast. Boy, we got a lot to talk about from Houston Sports over the last weekend. And of course, we've got to start with Brock Osweiler exiting, Tom Savage entering, the Texans somehow beat the Jaguars at home on Sunday afternoon at NRG. Wow. What a change, and Tom Savage has been named the starter for Saturday night's game, Christmas Eve, against the Cincinnati Bengals, looking to maybe win the division, unlikely, but maybe win the division on Christmas Eve. I don't know what Brock Osweiler's future will be with the Texans, I mean, he's, he's guaranteed a lot of money through next year, but Tom Savage, how does he do in a starting role, not just coming in as a backup, and the defense doesn't know what to expect, he hasn't played in almost two years, and... All that kind of stuff. So what does Cincinnati do on Saturday against Tom Savage? That will be fascinating to watch. In just a couple days, they have a short week, one fewer day to practice. What do they do? But we saw Savage lead the team to victory on Sunday, 21-20 over the Jaguars. And we had uh, my, my good friend Greg Parks on the last podcast to preview this game. And we also talked about hey, maybe Jacksonville's coach isn't going to last past the season. It turns out he wasn't going to last past Sunday as they fired Gus Bradley after the game. They did not let him finish the season. Earlier today on Monday, they announced Doug Marone will be the new coach of the Jaguars. And the reason why this is important is because the Jaguars play the Titans this weekend. And if somehow the Jaguars beat the Titans and the Texans beat the Bengals, I believe the Texans would officially win the AFC South because the Texans have all the tiebreakers against the Titans. They already have a head-to-head matchup, and obviously they played each other last week of the season. But I believe that because the divisional record, the Texans are undefeated in the division, Titans have a couple losses in the division, that should seal it to where it wouldn't matter what happens the final week of the season in Nashville against the Titans. Now, if the Titans beat the Jaguars Saturday afternoon in Jacksonville, then it would matter uh, because then that last game of the season would determine the AFC South. And now if the the Texans lost to the Bengals and the Titans won against the Jaguars, it would still all come down to that last game of the season because if the Texans won, they would have two victories against the Titans and they would win the AFC South with the same record. And, And obviously the Titans beat the Texans, they would win the AFC South. So... It really depends what happens on Saturday. The Titans play at 12 o'clock on Saturday. And so the Texans will know exactly what the situation is going into Saturday night against the Bengals on primetime television Christmas Eve. They will know, can they actually win the division? 
or is it just going to come down to Nashville the final week of the season? So it's going to be really interesting to see how next week plays out. But why this matters is because how will Jacksonville play with a new head coach trying to end a, uh, I mean, a, a what a nine game losing streak now after the Texans beat the Jags, and, and so. Will they rally behind a new coach? Will they kind of see the season as a lost cause and, and just sort of pack it in? It's going to be interesting to see if the Jaguars are going to find somehow, some way to beat the Titans, and then all the Texans have to do is just beat the Bengals, and it doesn't matter the last week of the season. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, Tom Savage is your new quarterback, officially announced earlier today on Monday by Coach O'Brien. Osweiler is in the backup role, the most expensive backup in football, and... Wow, uh, Texans, they won. They found a way to win. Clowney, Jadavian Clowney continues to be the guy that they got with the first pick in the draft or the guy they were expecting with the first pick in the draft a couple seasons ago. J.J. Watt was back on the sidelines cheering on the team. And that's good to see. So we'll see what happens next next uh, next weekend. Got the Bengals coming in with nothing, nothing to play for, but a really good defense. So we'll talk all about that game later on this week here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast with a lot more to talk about from Houston sports, including the Houston Rockets, 10 in a row. And here on number two on the big board, the Rockets have hit a 10-game winning streak, the longest win streak since seven years ago when they had that amazing 22-game winning streak. Yeah, this Rockets team, an improbable victory Saturday night against the Timberwolves in Minnesota down big in the fourth quarter, big comeback to tie the game. Trevor Reza with a game-tying three-pointer with just a few seconds left in regulation, and then took a big lead in overtime, held on at the very end, and won in overtime in Minnesota to go to 10 games in a row. you got to keep pace in the Western Conference. And look who's coming to town on Tuesday, the San Antonio Spurs, Tuesday night, Toyota Center. That's going to be a really big matchup. Spurs have been great on the road this season. Rockets have been great at home this season. They've already played twice. They actually split where the Rockets won in San Antonio and the Spurs won in Houston. We're already in December. This is the third matchup between the Rockets and Spurs. So, you know, getting some really, really big matchups out of the way early in the season. After a little bit of rest, having Sunday off, Monday off, how did the Rockets do back home on Tuesday night at Toyota Center? And you'll get the upcoming schedule this week, which I got a nice little schedule when I was at Toyota Center on Saturday. We'll get to that. After the break, you got the uh, Spurs at home, you go to Phoenix, and then you go to Memphis. So two road games that they should win at Phoenix, and then you go to Memphis at the end of the week. Man, that'll be a real, another big test. Big test. Great defense from Memphis. Consistent great defense. What do they do? What kind of week is it going to be? Like I said, every week's a test. Every week's a big test for the Rockets. Can this offense hold up? Is there enough defense to get you victories and so far 10 games in a row it has been the formula has worked pat beverly coming back from injury has been huge i think coach d'antoni even mentioned that in, in the press conference after the game against uh, the the t-wolves how how much pat beverly has meant for this team just to provide that toughness and that that consistent defense that uh that the, that the rockets need so big game against the spurs on tuesday 10 in a row great uh, great offense enough defense Formula has worked for the Rockets, and we'll see what happens against the Spurs on Tuesday at Toyota Center. Speaking of Toyota, after this quick break, we'll talk about my experience at Toyota Center on Saturday afternoon, talking some college basketball, and we'll break down that awful University of Houston bowl game on Saturday. 
We're back here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast, December 19th, the Monday night, with a lot happening in the world of sports, especially here in Houston and in Texas. Speaking of which, Saturday afternoon, I went down to Toyota Center to watch the Longhorns play Arkansas College Basketball, and another one of those games where the, the Longhorns youth was exposed, a lot of freshmen, they were not able to close the deal. Great first half. Uh, Longhorns looked great in the first half, uh, but in the second half, they just they couldn't put the ball in the basket. They missed a ton of layups. They couldn't make free throws. Arkansas only missed a couple free throws. Look at the box score and the team stats. It, it looks like the, the Longhorns should have won this game. I mean, everything was in their category except for free throws. You know, Arkansas was nearly perfect. The Longhorns barely shot above 50%. And they ha- this has been a consistent problem throughout the year. They have to address this with Big 12 play coming up very soon. They've got two more non-conference home games and then... Started off in Big 12 play in just a couple weeks. So they've got a lot to get cleaned up before the real season starts. And I'm kind of concerned about some of the maturity from the younger players. But, you know, they had a chance to win at the end. Didn't get the job done. But I would say that I got the job done. Uh, I was there uh, right behind the Longhorns bench. And so throughout timeouts, they would kind of pan the crowd and show people in in the audience and things like that. And all of a sudden, I saw... A few people in my section on the big screen, and I saw the camera was coming my direction. So then the thoughts go through your head, what are you going to do? Well, of course, you got to do an obligatory hook'em horn sign, so I threw that up there. But the camera was still on me, so I had to, I had to do something else. I had to call an audible. I had to think on, the, on my feet, or in my seat. And I threw up the double biceps pose. I didn't know what else to do. Uh, so I, I threw up the double biceps pose. The camera kept panning. All of a sudden, the camera came back. So I guess they liked something I was doing. And then they cut away because the game was back on or was coming back live uh, after the the timeout. So, what I mean, what, what do you do? you, you got to have two moves, right? You have the obvious hook em horn sign, the first move. That's obvious. That's, you know, what you're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, the camera's still on you. So... What else would a guy do? You gotta throw up the double biceps, especially if you're feeling good about yourself. Felt good in my t-shirt. Uh, Kevin Durant, Longhorns t-shirt. Felt good about it. Camera liked it. Hey, there you go. So we have a story to tell right here in the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. A little personal, a little personal story to go with some analysis of the Longhorns needing to do a little bit better in the basic areas of free throws and layups and defensive intensity on the three-point line. I would say those are the three keys coming out of the second half of Saturday's game. I mean, again, they looked really good in the first half, but second half, not so much. So let's see what happens going into Big 12 play in a couple weeks. And also in the college ranks, the University of Houston, the Cougars, Saturday afternoon, bowl game in Las Vegas against San Diego State. Great first quarter, 10-0, awesome. And then, my goodness, what a disaster of three quarters that followed. I mean, barely moved the ball, uh, four interceptions by Greg Ward. Which leads me to address the elephant in the room from this game. Can we address this topic? Who decided that it was a good idea for that uniform combination between the Cougars and the Aztecs? If you didn't see this, the Cougars were in their home red jerseys. The Aztecs were in their home black jerseys. Both teams wear the same colors of red and black. One has a predominantly red color, the Cougars. The other has a predominantly black color, the Aztecs. One has an off-color of black, the Cougars. One has an off-color of red, the Aztecs. They almost look the exact same. 
on the same field. Who decided that was a good idea? Especially because the Cougars have won the alternative black uniforms a couple se- a couple times a season. Where if you're Greg Ward and you have to make a quick decision throwing the ball, and you see a uniform flash across your face, it looks pretty familiar. You might accidentally throw the ball to that person. I, I would at least I would attribute at least two of Greg Ward's interceptions to that very issue of the of the uniforms. The other two were just really bad throws. But I I mean just watching him throw the ball, I would I would think that. There were a couple of times that he was throwing it at a guy that he thought was his own teammate. I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason why the Cougars lost. I would say that the lack of a running game, which plagued the Cougars all season long, was one of the big reasons why they lost. They just had nothing to balance Greg Ward. I mean, it was, it was all Greg Ward. You know, he had to do everything. You know, after that first quarter, it went up 10 nothing. a couple good drives. You know, one good drive and a field goal. And he got a touchdown in the field there. And then after that, I mean, they, they crossed the 50-yard line maybe two times the rest of the game. I mean, just couldn't move the ball. San Diego State's defense just completely destroyed the Cougars' offensive line. I, I would say, you know, this season was so strange for the Cougars. Yeah, and they also they talked about this on the postgame show on ESPN. Well, the game was on ABC, but the ESPN broadcasters. I think it was Joey Galloway said, you know, this was a really strange season for the Cougars. They have two of the best wins of the entire season. They beat Oklahoma at NRG week one of the season. They beat Louisville, a top four or five team at that time, on national TV when Lamar Jackson had the Heisman wrapped up. He was just trying to impress people. And, and, the, and Louisville had something to play for. They were trying to get in the top four for the playoffs. So they had something to play for, and the Cougars just dominated and destroyed Louisville on that night. And, and the, the final three quarters of the bowl game felt like pretty much the, the exact opposite of the Cougars' first half against Louisville, where the Cougars dominated Louisville, nothing went right for the Cardinals, and it was just a complete blowout in that first half. The last three quarters of the Cougars-San Diego State game felt exactly like that, just the opposite team. San Diego State pretty much dominated all aspects of the final three quarters of the game. Defense, running attack with Pumphrey, offensive line versus defensive line. You know, the, the, the Aztecs' defensive line destroyed the Cougars' offensive line, just like the Louisville game where... The Cougars' D-line, led by Ed Oliver, destroyed Louisville's offensive line. Um, so we got a little bit of a taste of that Louisville game, but not a, not uh, exactly what you're looking for. So not exactly the best start for Major Applewhite as a head coach, and, and that's a whole other issue of whether he should have coached the game, should Todd Orlando have coached the game before going to Texas to be on Tom Herman's staff, um, should they have had a, a different approach to all this. I I think the condensed bowl season, the, the 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 coaching change, Orlando coaching the team the first couple weeks of the bowl prep, and then Applewhite the last week of the bowl prep, and then you lose a wide receiver because he missed a meeting, and that threw off your offense. I mean, it was just, it, it was a mess uh, going into this game. It looked like the Cougars were going to overcome all the drama based on that first quarter, but then, eesh, it wasn't good in the last three quarters. So, I, I just hope that the narrative does not become, hey, Applewhite should not have been the coach or he should not be the coach for the Cougars. Hopefully people say, okay, this was sort of a messed up situation. Let's give him some grace and give him an offseason to get this team ready and, and see what happens uh, next year. I, I just hope it, I hope that it turns into a good thing where the team is motivated to come out much better to start next year than how this season ended. You know, you, you lose the game to Memphis. You lose the game to San Diego State in the bowl game. I, I hope the team is ready to start off next year a lot better than how this year ended. And I think Applewhite will be ready to do that. 
Obviously, this game doesn't look like he looked like a good thing for him in his tenure, but it's one bowl game. It was a messed up situation. Let's see what he can do with a full offseason to get this team ready. And because this was my concern if, like, let's say that Texas was accepted to a bowl at five and seven. Like, who would coach the game? Would it be, you know, Vance Bedford, the, you know, the one time defensive coordinator who got demoted? Would it be, you know, Tom Herman coming in with, you know, absolutely no knowledge of a team and trying to get a team ready in three weeks? And then, you know, does the team lose? And then all of a sudden it's a big mess. You know, it, 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 it would have been a little bit different because Herman had nothing to do with this team. And Applewhite at least had, you know, a lot of experience with the, the Cougars because he was the offensive coordinator for two years. So different situations, but you wonder if maybe it would have been better for him to start off with a clean slate next year and, and just have Orlando just finish things out coaching this bowl game. I, you know, hindsight being what it is, maybe Orlando should have coached, but I even thought going into the game, it was just too much maybe at risk for Applewhite if he if they laid an egg in the bowl game with his first game as head coach. So I, I don't know. It, it could go one of two ways. It could be motivating where the team is frustrated and they use it as motivation, or it could be that... Uh, maybe Applewhite shouldn't be the coach. We'll see how it goes. Right after this, we will talk Astros. Not exactly any free agency to talk about, but a really interesting story on Yahoo Sports that we'll touch on about the Astros in spring training. All right, we're back here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast with our Big Five topic, Astros free agency. Nothing really new to report on. No updates. No major signing, no major pitcher coming alongside Dallas Keuchel. So we're just waiting, waiting to see maybe a big a big signing, a big free agency move, trade. Uh, we'll, we'll see what's going on here. But uh, an interesting story on Yahoo Sports today. The Astros have a new spring training facility in Palm Beach, Florida, where they're currently doing construction. This is a, a joint facility with the Astros and Washington Nationals. And the story on Yahoo is that uh, birds have overtaken the facility. Not just a couple birds, but like thousands. Maybe an exaggeration. We'll say hundreds. Upwards of a thousand. And the thing about it is that the land that they're building on, according to this report, is that it used to be a landfill. So the landfill became, I guess, sort of a vegetative thing where it's now covered with vegetation and trees. But... I guess because it used to be a landfill, the birds still recognize it as such. And I guess you can cover it up with, with trees, but I guess the birds know better. So you know now the land is being used, uh, this is 160 acres, uh, the, the land is being used as a baseball facility. So the question is, once the facility is built and the land is you know, appropriated for baseball, what happens when a bunch of trash comes back in the form of Hot dog wrappers and popcorn and, you know, soda cans and, and bottles. You know, uh, did the birds see it? Hey, the landfill's back. It's a baseball stadium. Uh, <laughs> so how is that going to work out in the middle of March when, you know, uh, the birds are swarming the baseball field because there's a bunch of trash in the stadium? That's going to be interesting to see, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what to expect from uh, from spring training in this new ballpark, but it will be interesting to see what happens if, uh, if birds start swarming the pitcher's mound in between innings. Looking for food. So we'll see what kind of spring training the Astros have coming up in about, what, two or three months in February, March-ish. So a lot to look forward to from the Astros in the upcoming season. We'll see if they're making any more splashes on the free agency market or the trade market. 
And we'll talk, cover all that, of course, right here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast on upcoming episodes. I'll be back later on this week with a preview of the Texans game against the Bengals. We'll talk more about uh, the Rockets and see how they're doing this week and any other major sports news that comes up in Houston and Texas here on the Houston Sports Radio Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show and helping us get off the ground here on Blog Talk Radio. We are located at blogtalkradio.com slash Houston Talk. Or download us on iTunes. Just type in Houston Sports Radio. Get the RSS feed so you can listen to the latest episode right there on your mobile device. Big thanks to PodcastThemes.com, the official provider of the theme music here on the Houston Sports Radio podcast. So until next time here on the show, this is James Caldwell signing off. And I'll talk to you next time on Houston Sports Radio. episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.